Hello. Hi, Sarah. It's Matt. Hi, Matt. How are you? Good, thanks. I just wanted to talk to you because on this episode, we're again going back in time with one of our reissue episodes. And I was wondering whether you've got a story about going back in time and stream time. Ah, a story. I don't know if I have a story. When you say back in time, I think of the original stream time, which people might not even know about. And then the big push, the big revamp that all the people did in 2016. 16, I think. Even all the changes that have been made since I started three years ago. Time sheets and time tracking was a really big focus at the beginning. And so there's a bit of a pun there. (laughs) (laughs) And we've actually come a long way since then. So we've focused mainly now on building healthy businesses. That's sort of the new philosophy that we've got. And the product itself has come a long way. And we've got a lot more exciting things coming up. Um, in that healthy business, healthy team, healthy profit kind of intersection. That was Sarah Newen, Head of Product at Streamtime, our sponsor and choice for project management software. If you haven't tried them before, you can get a free trial and a 20% discount by going to www.streamtime.net slash ADR2020. Welcome to Australian Design Radio, a podcast seeking to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. As part of that, we acknowledge traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their enduring connections to the land, knowledge and stories. I'm recording this on Gundungurra and Darug country and I pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I'm your host, Matt Leach, and on this episode, we're again delving back into the archives, pulling out sound bites from an old episode and then getting the original guest to comment on them. In this case, Jason Little talked a little bit about his girlfriend at the time, Joe Rocker. Now married with kids, I thought it would be great to have them both on. So he managed to get a babysitter and we sat down over the internet to reminisce about what's changed and what stayed the same. For the People is a brand agency focused on getting organizations closer to people through strategy design, storytelling and technology. They have won bucket loads of awards and constantly signaled out for their unique ideas and ways of working with clients. I'm going to drop you into a soundbite from over five years ago that explains what Joe and Jason's working relationship was like at the time. Yesterday, was I was working on this identity, and I was the deadline. I worked all weekend, and the deadline was at three o'clock. And I haven't told anyone this, so it's coming out. And, and <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm working my way through the design. And that morning, I showed my girlfriend Joe, "Hey, Joe, this is what I'm doing." And she's like, "Where's, where's the idea?" I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, well, explain the idea. I was like, oh, it's kind of about this or that. And she goes, okay, so how are you relating that back to all, all the, the parts of the applications? And I was like, um, and she goes, why don't you think about it like this? And I was like, oh my God, you've just solved my problem. And, and it really was that. I was just worried about getting the work out in time and I knew I had like two days worth of work to cram mm-hmm. into one day and yeah. I was work, you know, I was up at 6am doing it and I was just going, I need to fill this presentation with all the permutations that I've said I was going to do. And I lost sight of it and it just took someone step back from the process to go, okay, you're just missing this bit. And it, it was literally one comment that she mm. said and then the whole presentation hung off that. <laughs> That's you teaching me how to design, Joe. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was actually thinking two things. I thought that, isn't that just how it goes? Like, there's always someone in design that is not so close to the project 
and steps in and yeah. sees what we have not seen. And I often, I think, Jace, we often uh, summon Damien in the room being like, okay, what, what are we missing? So I think that hasn't really changed. It just happened to me to be me that morning, right? Yeah, I think you became my creative director in a way, which <laughs> oh, is wow. kind of weird. Like, no, but, but that's how we've talked about it in the past, yeah. right? You're, you're my creative director, I'm your creative director. Any experience difference that we had, you know, in the decade between us, that all equalized, you know, that was in the early days when it was, when I was very hands-on the tools again and trying to figure that world out again. Um, whereas, you know, things changed later on as we grew. Things certainly did change and grow. I still remember often running into the three of you, Jace, Joe and the dog in Surrey Hills, but the family has moved and grown in the intervening years. Exactly. You summarized them quite well. Now we are five, two kiddos and a, and a, and a, hairy, and a hairy son. And we've moved. We've moved twice. I am assuming that that was when we were living in Bondi and we moved out yeah. the outskirts of Sydney first. Yeah, I think. And then now in Tassie. So a lot has changed. And now he calls me my wife <laughs> <laughs> rather than the girlfriend. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> so why Tassie? Why Tassie? Uh, I think I always answer that question with, um, with like the planets aligned. It was a just after the West Coast brand. So we were getting a bit of a reputation down here in Tassie. Then there was a, a kind of a, on the business side of things, it kind it made sense. Jason and I had moved outside of Sydney. So we were already seeking a bit of quiet, you know, and tranquil life with, um, with Eva, with baby Eva. So Tassie is a, is a no brainer in that sense of like lifestyle and space and nature and whatnot. Um, You'd done a talk here a few years prior as well, and you came back raving about the opportunity in Tassie and were saying, you know, that it really is a place that you could do some great work. And then, um, yeah, I think because we had been spending quite a bit of time getting to know the locals in certain parts of Tassie when, for projects, it just opened our eyes. There was also Dark Mofo. Joe was a regular at Dark Mofo. And so there was just a lot about Tasmania that seemed new, um, different, and and a change of pace, I think. It, it was almost at that point where it, it was also, if we were going to open a new office, because we talked about whether Damien, my other partner, would open up the office or us, I think the opportunity to be the ones to kind of restart the business in another place from scratch, build up clients again and have that that newness that was quite exciting at the beginning of when we started the, the original the main company. That that was all I think that's why we were the two that came over to start the office. Joe, when did you decide to join Jason for the people? Funny enough, when Jason says Joe has become my career director, I think even though I would never say that, I think there is a level of respect that was gained throughout the years. And I remember that that was the moment when I decided to, that we could work back together again. We had worked together when, when we were in Paris and he was creative director and I was a designer. So we oh, had right. worked together. I never knew that. Yeah, so that's how we met. And um, that's how, yeah. So we worked together for, for a few years back then, but there was definitely a, an element of, 
you know, hierarchy, which is fine. But now if we're moving to a business that he started and we're in a long-term relationship, potentially, you know, forever, I had to be really smart whether I want, if I wanted to work with my partner again, right? It's not, yeah, it's not something that it's a decision that you kind of think about. Uh, for a, a long time and I did but because I think that respect was gained that I yeah I'm not coming in as a partner I you know I have still much to learn but but yeah but it was very different from those early years in Paris. The business was very very different at the beginning when Joe came on and uh, let's be clear when when I worked with Joe in Paris Joe was incredibly inspiring and she was such a great designer so I always felt like I was at, I was missing something not having her in the team when I was over in Sydney. So when she joined, it was great because it was she, she was brilliant. Um, but the business was, you know, when I when we first talked, the business was three middle aged white men running the business, and then with Joe coming on, and then we had a couple of other senior. It was five actually, five women who kind of redirected the business and they, they brought in a different way of thinking and doing things and then when when the kind of partnership structure imploded <laughs> um and we, you know one of our partners left and we almost imploded as a business there were these five women who kind of helped re-establish the business rethink what the business was and and that was i i think where definitely more of the respect came because then they were the management team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, their, their voice elevated and it, it just changed everything, the way the company ran, the way we dealt with people, the way we dealt with clients, the way we thought about the work, the type of work we got. Joe, tell us more about that time. What was it like? I think it was just really fun. So the the five women that Jason talks about are, were incredibly similar in that <laughs> every like we have similar values we are all for slightly feminist against the patriarchy <laughs> and i think naturally that started to create almost of a as a, a safe space for the people of like we want people to come to work for us that not not that they think alike but that they want to do the type of work that we wanted to do and that we wanted them to not have to wear a costume of sort or a disguise to come into work, but that they could be themselves at work as well, fully themselves. And some of us out of those five had gone through a bit of a roller coaster with for the people before. So we knew that, you know, mental health and things like that were a priority. So that's kind of what where our focus was, was like culture, nurturing, safe space. And all of us were learning as we as we went. It wasn't like we had a magic book somewhere with all the rules written on what was there to do, but but just make it fun. And yeah. I yeah, I still I'm I'm still in touch with the ones that are not longer in the business. I think it's only Mel and I that that remain. Three of them have left and on to do great things, right? And the, some of like two of them are working together, but. Yeah, so I still regularly check with them, people that moved on when we when when we discuss like salaries, uh, promotions and things like that, where we've become like this secret club of how to, yeah, how to take the world. And that started for the people. So, so I love so it. it was great. Yeah. Change makers. I love it. <laughs> I love the idea that you wanted to make it fun again, because because Jason, that was the original intent, wasn't it? 
So like a kind of returning to the original brief. Look, the, rea the reality very quickly changed from being fun running a business. I didn't enjoy what we were after about the first 12 months. I think the cracks really started to show at a management level about three very different opinions and of ways they wanted the business to go forward. I think I, there was a point where I, I was like, I did not imagine this as the business I was going to create. Yeah, between the three of us, we just, yeah, we just stopped getting on and um, and just had very different views of what the future was. And so that all kind of imploded. I think we all went on to need require some uh, mental health help, as in, I think we all, all yeah, I think we're all heavily affected by it, probably still are. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that destruction and yeah, literally the business almost folding after two years, our dreams crushed, um, every, our friendship shattered. Um, and then, yeah, and then through that, you had these five people and other people in our team that, you know, there's a lot of really great people in the team who, who stuck in the company, wanted to see it through and kind of, and, and, you know, I think we even went down to four days a week while we we're struggling to make any money. And there was a lot of people that just yeah, they, they helped propel the business through this kind of like awful year, um, the third year being the third, the worst year. And by the way, those people are Rebecca Lester, who is in London, Amanda Gordon, Grace Palos, Mel, Baylash, and Joe. And th there was others in the team, obviously, but they were so good on the work together. And um, there was an energy, you know, it wasn't all horrible what for the people was, but when it was at its best, was when you had a bunch of smart people working together on a project and bouncing off each other and and kind of each person raising the other one up even higher about what they were bringing to it. And so that, in a way, what they were doing became the model for how we then did work from that point on. And yeah, it, re it really changed even how I see design and how I see the work we do based on what those people did at that time to change it. And yeah, they made it fun. Okay, you mentioned work there. So I'm gonna use that as my segue into the next soundbite. We've got nothing to lose, but like figure it out now at the beginning and just try and kind of push our business into the direction we'd rather be right off, off, off the get-go rather than kind of just, you know, like we've got one designer, but our next hire is probably gonna be a developer. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's almost like start getting the type of people that are going to help build the business towards where we want it to be rather than just what we know. Um, startups are definitely one of the areas. I mean, every single person I know right now has been reading how Google works. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the Silicon Valley kind of mentality is definitely um, the way to go. It, it, like just organizations are far more nimble. Um, all the podcasts that everyone's listening to, things mm -hmm. like startup and all that, it just you get the sense of where technology and and um, user experience is kind of defining where brands are. You realize that design is becoming almost homogenous now in the, in the device era. Like everything is kind of this uh, responsive design that kind of has to relate and so it's all that horizontal bands. So everything is becoming the same almost. And so now you've got to go, how are you going to differentiate? How can you flip it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so it's, we're focusing on startups. I think we're, we're even looking at how we charge for that because obviously startups don't tend to have money at the beginning. Yeah. You know, I think most organizations as well, like big agencies, you tend to do all these big projects that pay 
for people's salaries and the business. And then you either do freebies or you do pro bono stuff or you do reduce fees for something that you're really interested in. And I think our, our direction is if we can make it work with startups and help other organizations think like startups. Mm. I think that's it. That's Everyone's like clambering to go, we need to change, we need to change. And they're forgetting, they're, they're all focusing on technology and they're forgetting that actually the, it's the people um, within those organizations and customers and how they relate to technology that's going to shift things. It is really hard to listen to yourself, isn't it? That's awful. <laughs> But it's just such a it's such a different company. Okay, explain that because I wanted to well, pick up on I, you know that it was all about the startups at the start. Exactly. Spoiler alert: it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing worked. It just, it just it did not work. It's like I think what what makes me smile when I hear Jay's talking about that is that we really genuinely believed it would, you know, and yeah. we had heard people that that had tried with like different types of business models and had not succeeded and we somehow believed that we could and we tried really hard and we were really excited like you you could not fake that excitement that Jason had in there yeah even though he cringes now hearing hearing his voice back <laughs> where's um, the excitement gone <laughs> <laughs> but that is uh, yeah so it's a totally different company. I don't think we, I don't think we ever figured out how to work with startups so that it wasn't detrimental to our livelihood of continuing for the people. It's just there was mm. no money because you were doing all those workshops and lots of talks about startup culture and didn't work. So I think we as a, as a company learned a lot from that. Right. In that, not only like in in terms of oh you're learning, but us in how we wanted to you know, tackle, we didn't have client managers for a long time. So mm -hmm. there was no hierarchy, all of these things that we were learning from, you know, the, the, the Silicon Valley peeps. Now I would probably say, I don't look at Silicon Valley and put them in the pedestal that we once yes. did. I, yeah, I'm very cynical probably <laughs> with some of the some of the things that they tell you to do, but it was, it was fun. It was fun journey. And now we're like, okay, we, everything we do is so different <laughs> to mm. what was put back then. So we killed everything like flat structure didn't work. You know, only senior people in the business that we had a lot of high level people, um, mm. ditched all that. We've gone very classic. We have client managers, in. client we directors. Only a few, right. you know, more of a, a, a support network, I guess, of like right. graduates okay. through to mids, through to seniors, to design directors. And that's more about kind of helping. And we're doing timesheets. <laughs> really? Finally doing timesheets, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm so not. We oh. have changed. We have changed. That's a complete I, 360 from the yeah. company you're describing. I still don't do mine, though. That's, that's <laughs> the reality. Um, There's actually something that has been different, I think. Um, we never, for a long time, we didn't get those giant clients mm -hmm. that a lot of agencies have, you know, they, whether they fuel their agency on property developments or big giant companies that, you know, banks and or telcos and things that kind of fuel their, their growth. We never had any of those. So we were working a lot with arts organizations. We were working with tech companies and things for a while, but we did find that there was a point where we weren't we weren't necessarily making lots of money. That's never been a good point about for the people. Um, but we would, all the projects were really good fun. And so mm -hmm. we had this reality point where we we're like, wow, we're, 
90% of our work, 95% of our work are projects that everyone wants to work on. The moment someone hears it coming in, they say, oh, can I work on that? Even yeah. though the workload's already busy. And there was this point when I started to go, all I want is some boring clients, some, bo <laughs> some boring work so that we can actually just kind of drift a bit rather than everything being always on, yeah. always at that like high level. Oh, we've got to understand this organization and the problems and then come up with a, a really great solution that's going to solve all their business needs. And that pressure of always performing was really hard on everyone. And then, then we start to get placemaking work. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Well, well, once we got that, we got one and with the West Coast and it was the best project, you know, and, and, and a lifetime, you know, it was, it was so incredible. Every aspect of it from the, the, the research and the getting to know the community through to the, the work we did and the shoots and everything. But all that one project then suddenly gave us this whole new trajectory. Mm -hmm. Even Beck, who was one of those, you know, leading women, she ended up post project going on to do a master's in community engagement oh, wow. based on the work that we did within that because it moved her so much that piece it changed the way we think it, it changed the way you know from doing really great looking design and really trying to make things like break barriers and do new things to actually how do how can we do more design that helps communities and helps people and actually truly makes a difference so it really is for the people now I think so. I actually think so. Yeah. 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 How long is for other people? Eight years. How old? Eight, Eight years. Yeah. I think even in the beginning when, when you, Damon and Andy started, you did have for the people in mind. So I think it has gone through, like that was, that is still our flag. That is still our name. Mm -hmm. And going back to it is what always rings true, right? So now we're not in the startup world. We're into branding. Branding is what we do. Branding is what we've known. Branding is what we've done for years. But we, yeah, we tried to deviate from that for a few years and try to find a role into this kind of new branding startup-y world that didn't work. And then it was like, why, what are we trying to do something that we're not? It's like, let's go back to things we do. We tried to build a tech company. We tried to build, have a development team with hardly any developers in it and try to take on big digital product projects that we didn't have the capacity or the ability to do. And then that changed into becoming a going, oh, we're branding. Like we, we know branding. Why don't we? And then, I mean, yeah. and, and come to think about it, like the people that we had that we've always hired for the people is not for everyone we always hire people that are good with a bit of lack of structure you know it's almost like a swim or swim or die situation when you get it for the people think or swim. yes that's the, that's that's a phrase <laughs> um swim or die um and uh, and it's still the case but but back then i think we because we were stretching up doing some art direction we were doing some ads and marketing with like university uow we were doing some startups so hiring devs we were basically asking the people that we had which were among amongst 15 or 20 people to stretch skills beyond what they do and that was an incredible ask for anyone in the business so yeah, with that comes really good ideas, but also a level of stress because you're like, okay, I'm 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 not comfortable here, but you know, I, I need to perform type of thing. And now it's okay, we know what we're doing, we know we're hiring the skills accordingly, so it's better in that sense. 
but we still don't have that structure. <laughs> it's still a bit cowboy. <laughs> okay, you say that, but we've talked about the ups and downs and finding your way back to the fun and the core of what you do, but you are consistently recognized for the work you do. And I wanted to bring that up after this third soundbite where Jason talks about awards. Um, I was thinking about awards the other day because, you know, as I was glazing over my shelf. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, uh, I, was, I was thinking about the value of awards because they are losing a lot of relevance. It used to be the way that you got work out. Oh, we're the studio doing great work, but nobody knows about it. Oh, yep. here's an award to point us at people in the right direction. You'd be in a book or something. Yeah, like yeah that exactly. Right. And um, actually, I, I was thinking about when I first arrived in Australia, how I knew who was good was I had uh, an early ag Daniel, and that, that was what the purpose of awards for me was. It was to point you in the right direction of what are the type of studios you want to work with doing the type of work you want to work on. Like you sometimes see companies kind of rave about their awards and, and kind of really put it on a pedestal like it really matters. I don't think it matters to the company. I don't think clients give a shit. But I don't think they care about the awards from the company, they like to know, okay, this is a company that has is, is got a creative reputation. Mm. It just fits into it if they're talking about you in some way or another. Mm. But actually awards the staff. Like a designer who works with you, who gets an award, suddenly has a shitload more confidence their work is good. Yep. Whereas before they might have been kind of doubting it and kind of, you, we're an insecure lot. Yep. And so you win an award, they suddenly get a burst of energy like, yes, I can achieve stuff. And then they start doing more good work. Mm. If anything, it goes on their CV and they're more hireable. Great that they're more hireable and people can post them. But realistically, if a designer's doing good work, winning awards at your studio, they're probably more inclined to stay there because they know that they're doing the type of work they want to do and it's being recognized and people yeah. are loving it. You know, yeah. it, it, all of that plays into the, the individual in your team. So it doesn't, so for me, it doesn't, I don't care about awards for me. But I want my team to win awards yeah. because I want them to feel like, you know what, you're good. We can do this together. And then I kind and then you just kind of ping your client and go, hey, by the way, that piece that we did that you thought was okay, it won an award. Yay! <laughs> I bet they like it then. They do. They love it. Yeah. But they but they but they're not going to say, can I get can I get one of the trophies to put on my desk? Like it means nothing to them. Yeah. It's just confirmation. Oh, okay. So the company that we trusted with our, our identity or our brochure, whatever they yeah, did, we were right. We were yeah. right. Thank you. Great. My work with them again. Which brings us to now, where you are fourth on DNOD polls, which is amazing, and congratulations on that. But have your opinions changed on the value of awards? Okay, Jace, I know you're being all quiet, but I think, Matt, <laughs> you have asked the two most different people in the business on what they think about awards. Okay. You're generally at, at opposite. So, I, really? so I'd like to let Jason start first. Okay. Because if anything, I would probably say this is, you know, um, I, I'm going to say the phrase wrong, but where give credit where credit's due. And I think Jace is, if not anything, disciplined with awards, a discipline that I don't see anywhere else, <laughs> um, is he knows when they're coming up. He gets the team excited, rallies everyone. Uh, sometimes he has to give them like a, a little bit of a nudge. But the reason why we're there is pretty much thanks to him like the work is done by all of us, but mm. he is aware of the of the awards world, judging so many as well. So I'll let you answer that first, Jace. <laughs> um, okay, I still have this insecurity of being a rubbish designer. Junior Do you think it comes down to that then? I think it's this idea of never being good enough and determined to try and prove or somehow get pr approval that I, I can do what I do. Um, and so that that comes mostly down to things like DNAD, 
um, in the UK being the thing that matters above all else, and then to to win that. But that's also because because it's such a huge accolade, I think, in the in creative industry that it's like for anyone in the team to to be Alec to get something is amazing, and me as well. Like the agency, it's like I think that a desire to to get known by DNAD and things or to win by DNAD that comes down to being in Australia, being in the you know on the edge of the of the world and believing that the work that we do is good and so trying to get recognition for it um on, that's on an international level on a local level it is about i think i mentioned it in that quote um you know it's about awareness locally trying to find good talent locally trying yeah. to give people a future proof on their cv I do think even it's weird, even now, you know, you, you, you get a CV through or a portfolio through and you're like, oh, I've seen that work before or oh, I remember that and from this awards. And it's just an extra way of just going, okay, I, I like of getting work out there. I think it comes with, it's a huge burden as well. It's a burden on the business to get work. You have to get your case studies and projects out there, but it's, it's a burden on the work to enter costs money which money most companies don't have especially us you know it can bring vitriol from the industry you know there can be a, a lot of positives from a lot of people it can bring a lot of hate from others and so when you put yourself out there and you you seek to to go i think we're doing good work and try and get and promote it yeah it, it's it's really it's it's nauseating how how hard or on the line it can be between good and bad. Mm. Um, and I've definitely, you know, had some very serious kind of times where I've like looked internally about like, what what am I doing based on kind of like the commentary that you, the either positive or negative commentary yeah. that comes from that stuff. So, but yeah, so like, I, thing is, Jo knows me better than anyone. She knows that tomorrow I'm like, come on, let's go DNA <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. While you type on Slack. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Joe. what about your opinion? Uh, there's a, a fair few things. So the relevance of awards today with social media taking over, I don't even know what it is. Um, you sometimes have people with huge following that probably, you know, individuals or craft with huge following that probably have not ever won an award that doesn't stop us from hiring them or being or knowing them. So it's like, yeah. it's no longer the one tool that gives you that credibility at an international kind of platform. So that's one. The second one that just annoys me a bit is that it's not an equal balance of studios or companies out there with awards. You win them because you're in them pretty much so that costs money that is not only money to to enter the awards but time preparing the case studies and whatnot so you only see a tiny bit of the design industry and for that you know a very privileged type of industry where a lot of minorities or a lot of smaller countries or smaller studios are not simply in the radar so i find that kind of disappointing it just gives you a, a very maybe bland view of what design is or very biased view of what the design world is because it's pretty much the same the same type of people I have judged a fair few awards in the past few years and the award entries are also after you read a hundred of them one after the other yeah. it is marketing at its best and that just 
that's just cringe, right? So, <laughs> and I know it because we've entered them. So we know how to enter awards, right? But at the same time, you're, it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's how genuine the, the pieces are, or maybe it's a way that awards ask these questions, you know, brief solution, you have limited amount of words, accolades, whatnot. But at the end, it's just very self-centered. So if there was a different way to do it and, you know, maybe free entry, less spin sort of marketing sense to it. It's not even that it's, it's Matt, it's like, regardless of it being free, it takes time to build a case study, yeah. right? And you will sure. still have the people yeah. that do it. it and yeah, exactly. I think it's just a fact that awards have like one of the, one of the questions in awards that often gets asked, even with white pencils or black pencils, well, black pencils are pretty exceptional, but uh, tell us what changed this piece made and even that is often you know you often have a time frame of where you can enter the award so basically the project has been on going on for less than a year and you're already saying these accolades and these things that this project created and some other projects like the projects that I love have you know it probably will take up to 10 years for the west coast to really change or some of the projects that we're currently working on so it's very hard for real change that is not you know by media and amounts amounts of likes it's like then what is it that we're awarding you know then it just goes back to awarding the design aspect of things and it's something that i'm currently not interested in at this stage in my career it was so hard to end this conversation Joe and Jason have so much love for the industry and are constantly thinking about how they can improve. And that's something I wanted to quickly bring up, what really struck me editing this episode. They've had their ups and downs, sure, but they've never stopped looking for a better way. I don't know if I've met two designers who have such a growth mindset. So thank you, Joe and Jason, and thank you, the audience, for listening to our second reissue. If you want to see For The People's work, go to forthepeople.agency. It's a wonderful site full of their award-winning work and case studies. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, get us at hello at ausdesignradio.com. I'd love to hear what you thought about this episode. Next episode, we have a new co-host and a new mini-series focused on Adobe Max 2021. Until then, stay safe and look after each other.